When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Condensed Histories. I'm your host, Jem Daduchu, and by now I'm hoping you know what we do here, but if you're a first-time listener, hi, welcome. What we do is we condense a bit of pop culture, give you a bit of a summary, but pretty much all pop culture, either deliberately or inadvertently, has real history lurking just underneath the surface. Now, sometimes it's easier than others. For example, I did Last of the Mohicans, which is clearly already set in a historical setting, but I also did it for Monopoly, the board game. Yeah, really, there's history there. If this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, please have a look at some of the back catalogue. It's pretty diverse. Overwatch, Warhammer, 80s pop like Stand and Deliver. It's all there, and there's always an hopefully interesting take on it. This time round, you've obviously already seen what it is, we're doing Rick and Morty this time round. And I'm not going to overly patronise you if you know Rick and Morty. You invariably know that you've got Doc and Marty that was a very crude cartoon that was kind of a, a riff on the Back to the Future relationships between the Doc and Marty McFly. Tell me, future boy, who's president of the United States in 1985? Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan? The actor? And that got changed and evolved, I guess, so that they don't get sued or anything like that, where they end up with Rick and Morty. But you can still see the DNA there, particularly with Rick Sanchez the doctor basically in essence the smartest man in the multiverse come on morty luck had nothing to do with it i'm great that's the real reason and it is the brainchild of justin roiland and dan Harmon. dan Harmon, i've got a bit of a intellectual man crush on dan Harmon because he's also the man behind the amazing tv show community it's simple really first we Abed, what did I tell you? You can't just mumble nonsense. No one's cutting away. Both of these are comedies. Both of these are incredibly satirical and excellent parodies of existing pop culture. In essence, 
these shows do it better than I ever could, okay? So I'll just kick back, relax, and enjoy. I really need to chill. But particularly when you've got the Russo brothers who were directing lots of the episodes of Community, you know, they went on to do the huge mega Avengers movies, Endgame and Infinity War. So, and they also did Captain America, Winter Soldier, and also Civil War. So, I mean, the, these guys knew their stuff, but you could, you could see their abilities in Community. I'm not going to say too much about Community because we're invariably going to do an episode on that. And also I know Greg's a big fan of Community too. Oh, they've got a class on how to write jokes. Oh, don't take that. I dropped it after the lesson on setups. The professor is so old. So, yeah, for another time. However, Dan Harmon, I guess like a lot of great creatives, is a bit of a troubled individual. He ended up getting kicked off community. He was becoming more and more erratic, drinking heavily. And he's been on the record apologising for his behaviour. He was brought back and, if you like, the final two series sort of six seasons in a movie. He sort of saved it, but by then some of the characters were already moving off, etc, etc. But, regardless the guy knew his stuff and knew how to create something compelling. And then he had an opportunity to do it all again with Rick and Morty. And what we've got here, of course, as soon as you've got animation, sky really is the limits. There really is anything you can think of, people can basically draw. So it really did take the DNA of something like Community and just supercharge it. So just very quickly, it is worth remembering, if we go back to the pilot episode of the proper TV series, I'm not talking about any sort of shorts or anything like this beforehand, of Rick and Morty, at the very beginning, first episode, you can see that Rick is just destroyed, as it were. And there have been a number of occasions where he is clearly trying to commit suicide, where he, he just doesn't care anymore. I had to make a bomb, Morty. I had to create a bomb. What? A bomb? I'm drop it down there and get a fresh start. And what he is a perfect example of is a complete and utter nihilist, and potentially also depressive as well. But that's to one side. The nihilism part is going to take us back more than two and a half thousand years, I know, to a very different time and place. So, yes, there is real history inspired by Rick and Morty, but of course where it gets its juice from is it riffs so effortlessly on 20th century and 21st century pop culture. I'll give you an example. In the first season, we get Anatomy Park. Towards season four onwards, there are just endless uses of the words Rick and Morty shoved into pop culture phrases that make hardly any sense. But Anatomy Park does make complete sense. In this one, Rick and some other people have been building an amazing park inside the body of a homeless man. Welcome, Morty. Welcome to Anatomy Park. Yeah. So you have to shrink down and then you get to go on all the rides and everything goes horribly wrong. So really what this is, is smashing together the Fantastic Voyage, which if you haven't seen it, that's a 1960s, bit of a classic 1960s movie where people are literally shrunk down to go inside somebody's body to 
hopefully repair them from the inside. Now, for the record, science is quite emphatic on this. You can't shrink things. So, honey, I shrunk the kids and everything else in a space, which is sort of a riff really on Fantastic Voyage. All this stuff just doesn't work because physicists will tell you that, yes, while there is a huge amount, a colossal amount of empty space in an atom, you, we've all drawn that diagram of the nucleus with the protons and neutrons, and then you've got the circles around it of the different shells of electrons. That's just to fit it on a piece of paper. The actual reality is that if you had something like if the nucleus was the size of a tennis ball, you'd have to walk down to the end of the street before you get to the electrons. It's just a colossal waste of space, in essence. But because of the weak and strong nuclear force, these are fundamental forces in the universe, you just cannot crush down. The electrons just will not go any closer to the nucleus of an atom. So it's, it is science fiction in its purest form, because it cannot be done. And then you've got the Jurassic Park side of things, which you could. I mean, I've, I've seen a number of papers about how could you do Jurassic Park for real. We simply don't have anywhere near the right amount of DNA to just create a Velociraptor or T-Rex. I'm sorry. Virtual reality displays show our geneticists the gaps in the DNA sequence. We use the complete DNA of a frog to fill in that holes and complete the code. But there is some theories that maybe we go back to some rather primitive birds and start switching off various genes in their DNA and makeup and that would make them revert backwards or like push evolution the opposite way. But are people really going to pay to see mutant birds that look a bit like a dinosaur? Anyway, regardless, the point is that combining the two, so they're not so much attacked by dinosaurs inside this tramp's body, it's more like they're attacked by various organs and diseases inside the human body, and so they have to sort of like make an escape. It's all right, my dear. Nearly all human lungs contain a strain of these bacteria, but the scar tissue keeps them dormant. Now, the thing is, again, if you're sort of like not hugely familiar with Rick and Morty, the reality is that, uh, you know, Rick Sanchez is the grandfather, Morty is the 14-year-old grandson. So, obviously, there's, there's an in-between generation, and Rick has a daughter, Beth, Elizabeth, and she is married to this guy called Jerry. And it seems to me that by law, in American comedies, pretty much anybody ever called Jerry has to be a loser. There was a key part in... Parks and Recreation, where there was a guy called Jerry who was a complete loser. And another thing is, if, if like, if I, in, you know, and then your kids, and because you're like, I don't know, and everyone's like, oh, I'm sorry, guys. I, no one ever lets me talk this long. I, I just got lost. It was a beautiful point. And that was being created at exactly the same time. It was already out before you get to Rick and Morty. So, yeah, why they could have picked any name, but they decided to go for Jerry. Jerry's the loser dad. And there's also a sister as well, which sometimes she goes on the inventions, sometimes she doesn't. And they live in a pretty ordinary suburban house, but pretty much anything you can think that Rick can invent, he invents. And the critical thing is he's got a portal gun, which allows him to jump not through time, but through different realities. And so you get episodes like Interdimensional Cable and perhaps a slightly less successful Interdimensional Cable 2, where you just see adverts and little bits of 
programs from all these other realities, which is just really crazy stuff, to be honest. But the thing is, though, Dan Harmon has been on the record saying again and again he hates time travel because pretty much as soon as you create time travel, you create all these paradoxes, all these problems. Now, it's ironic that he has this strong feeling and yet Rick and Morty carry DNA back to back to the future. Should have picked that sentence a little bit better. However, I think most people would agree that Back to the Future is one of the best, particularly as a trilogy, is one of the best uses of time travel without getting too badly knotted up into it. You're just not thinking fourth dimensionally. Right, right, I have real problems. Another example is Dark, this amazing Netflix series in German, which all of it's now out on Netflix. I'm going to do a whole episode on Dark and spoiler, basically, it's really good and you should check it out. However, the vast majority of the time, time travel just gets in the way. Even with Doctor Who, they've made the comment about, well, surely the Doctor could just travel back in time 10 minutes and then go left instead of right, and then he's fixed the entire problem. So there's been this thing about how, oh, I can't interfere in my own timeline. I, I can't basically cross streams using another bit of pop culture there with Ghostbusters. It's no good, Doctor. My mind's made up. Can't rewrite history. Not one line. And while that's a good throwaway line, the more you think about it, it's like, huh? Hang on. How many times has he been to the time war between the Time Lords and the Daleks? And, you know, he's popped up in ancient Rome on multiple occasions. He's so omnipresent in time he's invariably going to bump into himself at certain points. You know, not just in the modern incarnation of Doctor Who, but if you start looking at the pre-shutdown era in the 60s, 70s and 80s, you know, he's met Shakespeare multiple times and so on and so forth. So, yeah, it causes problems. And, of course, there are the occasional get-together episodes, like the five Doctors, where literally five of the Doctors are all together. That shows you that he is interfering with his own timeline. For my next trick... I digress, but it's just one of many, many examples of how time travel doesn't fix the problem. It actually makes the problem an awful lot worse. Favourite example of all time, Harry Potter. Just because of coming up with a clever little fix to the third Harry Potter book and movie, you get the time turner, which begs the question, if you've got all this limitless magic, why didn't people just turn back time to the point where Voldemort was born or just created into the Dark Lord and then zap him? You know where he is. You could have saved Harry's parents and all this stuff. So, yeah, you can see it's very quickly it becomes, well, that's dumb. And yes, I know the time turners were all destroyed, but they were destroyed during the Harry Potter years. And rather than, you know, they could have been at any point used earlier than that to fix things. In fact, generally, when you get magic, there's all kinds of problems. So because of that, he jumps through space. He jumps through realities, but he doesn't jump through time. The only two examples where they sort of changed this around is in the fourth series episode, Rattlestar Rick Lactica. So like I say, by now, they've just given up on making it clever. That's just anyway. Uh, but in that one, there is genius. It very much riffs on Terminator. And there's this whole... I'm going to say five or six minute period where you see the evolution of this snake society. I'm not making this up. And there is no dialogue. It's just snakes going. Sss. 
But because you see what's going on, because you've been so well trained in pop culture, you know exactly what's going on in every episode or every sort of scene in, in this sort of little bit in the episode, I should say. And it's, it's brilliant. It's a sign, again, of Dan Harmon's genius. But basically, it just shows you the problems of time travel as it all goes wildly out of control. And yeah, Rick basically says, we're, we're never doing that again. What happened? Well, this is better than them attacking us. Also, that's about as much curvature as you're going to get from a time travel story. You know what? This one counts as one of your adventures. The other one they did, which is in the brand new fifth series, it's not time travel, but it does use time as a brilliant gag in Never Ricking Morty, where basically, cutting a long story short, the great thing about Rick and Morty, I know this is a weird comparison, but it's like the best episodes of Friends. If you go back to like seasons two or three of Friends, where they're kind of in the groove now, in just 22 minutes, there can be three or four plots. There might be a plot that's going on over multiple episodes, but then there's also a thing happening to Joey, and then there might also be something happening to Phoebe, and, and it's incredible how much they cram into 22 minutes and you can follow it. Rick and Morty absolutely do that. So it's so clever how much they can pack in. So basically, Rick is meeting his nemesis, who is a sort of a spoof on something like the Submariner or Aquaman. Let's not go there. So the point is, Rick's meeting him in the family home, but he wants to give him some nice wine. So he gets the cheapest possible wine and then opens up a portal to a different reality where time runs faster. So all he has to do is chuck the wine into this other dimension, and then all Morty has to do is open it up, open up the portal, go in, grab the wine. It's now aged by 10 years, and now it's a delicious wine as they have this debate. So while there is a whole thing going on between Rick and his nemesis, there's also this wonderful thing where Morty causes all these problems by going back to this reality to just get wine. Also, for the record, Morty is also on a date at the moment with Jessica. So he, so we've got date situation, we've got time situation, we've got Rick dealing with Nemesis situation. The basic route through the story of this time travel bit, not exactly time travel, but just different speeds of time, is Rick goes in, grabs a bottle of wine, and comes back and it's all fine. Then he meets somebody, and the person is really nice and happy and the person walks through into Morty's world and he thanks him very much and he says, oh, that's great. And the guy then goes back, but because time has moved forwards, his wife has died, the farm is in ruins, and his son, who's been born while he's been away, thinks he's a terrible father and kills him. But as he's dying, he goes, it wasn't me, it was Morty with the wine kind of thing. It's like, I will revenge you. And so Morty then comes back thinking that this other civilization is really happy with him, but now they all hate him. He comes back, they all try and attack him. He grabs some wine, goes back into our time, and it, he becomes a legend in this other timeline. It's like, he will come back. There's a period where the, everyone goes, oh, well, he's never coming back. This is all just a legend. Then he comes back, and because Morty's so annoyed at how they're treating him, he goes and starts killing people, and then they start pushing back. And indeed, they build an entire castle with all these defences and weapons pointing directly at where the portal, because the portal opens in the same place every time. So it's like, that's the point where Morty will be. And it just escalates from there. So 
all because they wanted to make some wine older. I mean, they could have gone out and bought a better wine, but because Rick's cheap, you then get this wonderful escalation. And it's this one of these things where it's like, I don't think I've ever seen anything exactly like that, but it riffs off certain themes in other things. And it's like, oh, this is just gorgeous. This is a chef's kiss sort of, oh, it's great writing. But at the same time, you know, if you're sitting there going, oh, this sounds really good and clever. It is. But there's also burping jokes and swearing and and you know there's one dimension which is just full of bottoms farting all the time if in doubt it's it's really puerile it's really silly and ridiculous but then it'll do a hard turn and be very clever delving into areas like philosophy and physics so you've got kind of the best of both worlds and this is the thing that because it's sort of quite broad you got to like sci-fi. That's the one thing I would say. You have get people going, oh, you know, it's not my cup of tea. And there is quite a toxic part of the Rick and Morty community who kind of don't accept that you don't like it. Or it's like, oh, you, you don't like it enough. And it's like, I like it plenty. It's there to entertain me. I recognize when it's clever. I understand when it's referencing something like Terminator or Jurassic Park or whatever. Very, very clever. Very good. 10 out of 10. And it's got lots of memes around it too. Yes, good. But I'm not, if, if you don't like it, fine. You know, it's, it's just a TV show. It's not a way of life. In, in some ways, for these people who get really hot under the collar, it's like you're not paying any attention to Rick. He's a, a nihilist. Something we'll be coming on to in a moment. And, he would be telling you don't be so ridiculous. He's absolutely an atheist and he hates the concept of organized religion. So this sort of like organization of gatekeepers protecting the, the, the brand, it, like nobody asked you to. Uh, it, look, if you enjoy it, great. If you want to buy a t-shirt, if you want to watch it on repeat, you do you. But it's the same rules for everybody else. If they don't want to watch it, that's fine too. I'm the Rick, and so were the rest of you before you formed this stupid alliance. You wanted to be safe from the government, so you became a stupid government. That makes every Rick here less Rick than me. Hopefully I've shown you how I've got an even hand on this. I do really like it, but I'm not some kind of zealot over it. And it is worth pointing out, not every episode lands. Some are clearly better than others. But if you go onto IMDb, you'll see the vast majority of them are like 8.8, 8 8.9, 9s, etc. But occasionally you get a low 8 or, you know, something that goes into the 7s. The worst one, I mean, I remember watching this, it's from season 4, and it's like, oh, is this a sign that season 4 isn't going to be quite as good as all the other ones? To be fair, almost all of the rest of it is is Claw and Hoarder Special Rictims Morty. <laughs> Again, with the names. So what this one is, is basically it's riffing off Dungeons and Dragons. It sort of shows how basically everybody who wants to ride a dragon's on some kind of weird power trip, and maybe we should sort of like calm down about that. And there's a very clever idea that he ends up in a world that's magical. Here's your tome of dragon spells and lore. That'll have everything you need. Enjoy your dragon. So all his science doesn't work and suddenly it's like, this is a clever idea that they immediately throw away because he just starts inventing stuff out of wood and then he's sort of back to having almost godlike powers again. So it's probably, look, with each episode there are so many things being thrown at the wall. Not all of them are going to land, but this one in particular, you either get incongruous, it, it is very puerile. It's like at every point they got an opportunity 
to be silly, they go for it in this one. So it isn't as smart as the other ones, and they do make mistakes with some of the story structure. Which brings me on to last little bit I'm going to do before I go into proper history here, people, is Never Ricking Morty. <laughs> which is also from season four as well. And on this one, Rick's on a train with Morty. Tickets, please. But it keeps being weird. There's moments where it sort of jumps into other stories and back again. And what it turns out is that this train is basically circular and it's a story wheel and Dan Harmon is very very big on a story wheel the concept is things like the hero's journey in essence I'm going to go back to a book I think I mentioned before Christopher Booker's seven basic plots and what he says is there are basically seven stories or seven types of stories we just keep doing again and again and again and there are other people as well who've talked about the, the three-act structure, the five-act structure. But the point is, when you start reading books around how to tell a story, you realize the importance of these pauses. For example, I'm going to pick something really random here, Lethal Weapon 3. I like the Lethal Weapon movies, but for the first... 25 minutes of that film, it's basically Riggs and Murtor mucking about, and I remember sitting there really enjoying myself, and then the bad guy turns up. And I was disappointed when the bad guy turned up, because I was just enjoying the vibe, the, the great camaraderie those two characters have with each other. But I realized, oh yeah, the story has to happen. And indeed, for any story to work, something has to happen. And it's usually, well, it's not usually, it's always bad. Because if something comes in and makes everything better, unless there's a sinister undertone, there's no story there. So if you like, all stories have a certain amount of challenge to them. And ultimately, if you think about it, any kind of hero's journey. So that could be Die Hard. It could be the story of King Arthur. It could be anything where there is like a central heroic figure, male or female or whatever, for any culture. In essence, it is a good story if they win, if they solve the situation at the end. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Now, sometimes we allow that character to die, but only when it fixes the problem, as it were. So with that in mind, Dan Harmon's very big on that, and he actually starts discussing the whole concept of story making within a story in Rick and Morty. Now that one came out in 2020, and the ending of that story blew my mind because this is animated. Anytime you do animation, it takes months to animate even a 22 minute episode. You know, it just takes time, 24 frames of animation per second. And you also have to write it and edit it and record the sound and all this kind of stuff as well. A lot of effort goes into just 22 minutes. So the fact that this came out in the first half of 2020 and yet Rick mentions coronavirus in it, it's like, wow, that's really impressive. Now for the record, South Park, because the animation is deliberately a lot more basic, they can turn around an episode in a week and a bit, I believe. So there have been times when they've been able to be almost topical in an animated show, which is just, again, that's mind blowing, but that's a story for another time. So let's get into it now, shall we? Let's talk a little bit about the most important person in Rick and Morty, and indeed in the multiverse, one Richard Sanchez Rick. You start teeing up a Rick Sanchez vignette and you'll be doing it through two holes. He is staggeringly intelligent. In fact, the, the, <laughs> don't, don't go too much into it, but another thing that happens is there's the Citadel of Ricks. What is this place? The Citadel of Ricks. The secret headquarters for the Council of Ricks. Council of Ricks? Because pretty much in every reality, there's going to be another Rick and Morty that's been referenced in so many occasions in very, very clever ways that actually a huge amount of Ricks have decided to group up together to become the Citadel of Ricks, a whole society of Ricks to just be super intelligent and, and do their thing. But the Rick that we follow just doesn't want to have anything to do with it. He is the rickiest Rick out there, and Ricks don't play well with other Ricks, basically. I digress. It's, it, look, if you have never watched it, watch the first two, three episodes. Don't watch just one. Just If you watch two or three, you by then you will be able to understand whether it's your sense of humour or not. However, because he's so smart, and there are multiple times he's had speeches about this, particularly with his daughter, for example, just talking about the uncaringness of the universe and how the universe doesn't like smart people. In essence, ignorance is bliss. So because, as I said, there are burping gags, 
Rick basically almost always has drool hanging out the corner of his mouth, and also frequently while he's talking it'll be interrupted with burps, which Justin Roiland apparently does by drinking heavily carbonated beverages and then just sort of like burps them out at the end of the recording session. So he'll record all the proper stuff and then he'll do silly versions of these moments, which is okay, fine. It's like, okay, that may be less clever, but hey, it's all part of Rick and Morty. How sophisticated! So clearly, he is utterly unhappy with himself. And what's really important, Dan Harmon says, is for the smartest guy in the universe, it would be incredibly boring if he's right all the time. So Rick is right about 50% of the time. So he makes mistakes. He is frail and he, well he's not frail in the literal sense because he's always can create an, yet another robot suit or something like that, but the point is he is a flawed human being. He is not some kind of demigod in, in that sense. So nihilism, uh, nihil meaning literally nothing from Latin, so yeah okay fair enough that's two and a half thousand years old, but actually the concept of nihilism, this idea of the nothingness, the bleakness of human actions and the world around you, actually, this might blow your mind a little bit, was first described by Siddhartha, known later as the Buddha in Buddhism. I know, that doesn't sound right. Don't believe me? Go and check it. So we are talking about 500 BC here. There are concepts in the pure forms of Buddhism. I have an issue with all religions, but the issue I have with Buddhism, you get people going, oh, no wars have ever been declared in the name of Buddhism. That's debatable, but to assume that all Buddhists are peace-loving is absolutely not true. Maybe you should look into sort of Japanese history in the Sengoku period, that's in the 1500s. There were a whole bunch of Buddhist warlords who went out of their way to torture people and happily fight wars. Also, it's worth pointing out that Tibet, you know, an epicenter of Buddhism for the last few centuries, it was run by Buddhists. It was a theocracy like modern-day Iran. It is fundamentally run by the religious groups, but in Buddhism one of the punishments for relatively minor crimes was to be skinned alive. The death penalty existed in Tibet, so don't think that Buddhism, see this is it, it's come over here and it's been sort of basically rationalized. Buddhism's been put into the same category as things like veganism and environmentalism, and it does on the surface fit quite nicely with these other of like, let's say, more modern, more societally acceptable concepts, these sort of positive concepts. But here's an interesting fact. If you look at the basic tenets of Buddhism, there are only two things that cannot reach nirvana. Animals, because they're not yet human, and women, because they're not yet men. So there we go, okay? So Buddhism is just as sexist as all the other religions. Please believe me, I could go on and on about all the other religions, but I'm just showing you how what you might know about Buddhism when you start looking into it, it's quite different out in Asia. So basically one of the tenets there is the fact that good and bad actions produce no definitive results. This is very different to like Christianity. If you're a bad person, you're going to go to hell. Except there are some people saying you can be a bad person all your life, there's some versions of Christianity. You can be a bad person all your entire life, kill people, steal, etc. But if on your deathbed you say that Jesus Christ is your saviour and you're genuinely very, very sorry about the previous 65 years of violence that you've wreaked on planet Earth, but you are genuinely very sorry about that, you get to go to heaven. Doesn't seem right to me, but anyway. And something else that Buddhism also sort of says is about giving 
and saying, look, giving does not give you any necessary results. If you want to give, give. But just giving in and of itself does not make the world automatically a better place. And indeed, I mentioned Nirvana. Everybody's heard of Nirvana, not the band, the actual concept in Buddhism. Buddhism doesn't exactly have a heaven and hell, but Nirvana is this idea of the, this is the pinnacle. This is what everybody's aiming for in Buddhism. And yet what it is, is if you want to like translate it and look into it, it's basically blissful nothingness. So we're back to nihilism again. The whole point of Buddhism is to basically become nothing. And only then do you become happy. Interesting idea. Now, that's kind of where it was first described. However, we do see elements of nihilism in Western concepts, but it's not necessarily seen as particularly a philosophical idea until we get into the 1700s with a guy called Friedrich Heinrich Joby. Unsurprising, he's a German philosopher, okay? And he actually used it in connection with rationalism. Basically, he's saying, if you believe in nothing, if you only believe in pure logic, you're hollow, in essence. I'm, I'm paraphrasing massively here. And, and basically, so he was using nihilism as a bad thing. It wasn't necessarily evil, but it was just an absence of anything, and something's better than nothing, and that's why you should have faith. So if you like, this particular Friedrich, we'll be coming on to another more famous Friedrich in a moment, he was basically saying that nihilism is something that we want to avoid, and we actually want to go back to, to having faith, to being part of a religious movement. Joby died in 1819, and it was then picked up a, a few decades later by a guy you've all probably heard of in the world of philosophy, Kierkegaard. Now, he was a Danish philosopher, okay? Quite sadly, he died at the age of 42 after just collapsing in the street, which is terrible. But he was taking on nihilism in perhaps the more modern concept of it. The fact that it's an uncaring universe out there, your actions are ultimately meaningless. <laughs> Isn't this fun and Scandinavian right now? But you can see how that is what you probably think of with, with nihilism. This was then picked up by Russian philosophers in the late 19th century. And then, of course, we come to Friedrich Nietzsche. There's nothing Another Friedrich. So basically, you've got to be Danish, Russian or German to really dig nihilism. Now, I just want to very briefly, I mentioned earlier that Rick's daughter is called Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth's a very popular name. I'm not saying there's any connection here. But when I say Nietzsche, there may be a part of you thinking, yeah, he's basically Hitler with a degree. And that's kind of the image of Nietzsche. But interestingly, that isn't what he wrote. The reason why you think that way is because pretty much as soon as he died, his unreleased writings and also his already released published writings were picked up by his sister called Elizabeth Nietzsche. And she basically re-edited everything. Now, to be fair, you know, like I say, stuff like nihilism was there, but what she would do, basically, he was seeing it from perhaps a more ambiguous nature, but in essence, if there's a good way to interpret it or a Nazi way to interpret it, she picked Nazi every time because she was an ultra-nationalist German who really, really was a cow-carrying Nazi. You know, as in, hung around with the Nazis, loved being a Nazi. Nazis. I hate these guys. 
and so she took her brother's work and knew how popular he was, how famous he was, how well respected he was, and twisted it to deliberately help the philosophies of the far right in Germany. And so it has taken decades of subsequent historians to unpick the original Nietzsche manuscripts from the Elizabeth corrupted manuscripts. I find this particular fact fascinating, by the way, and a reminder that while, yes, we need to recognize more women in history, we can sometimes over-adjust, and women can be just as evil and morally bankrupt as men, and Elizabeth is an example of this, okay? So, once we get here, we're now into the concept that what's the point of it all? And with Rick, if Rick really knows that the universe just doesn't care, and there's nothing he can, no matter how powerful he is, no matter how clever he is, no matter what he does, the universe is just still sitting there like this massive membrane, the M theory of multiverses. And I personally, I'm going to be quite personal with you guys. I don't tend to share my personal beliefs a lot on this podcast. I am not a person of faith, but when I first heard of the multiverse, now, to be clear, the universe is what we live in right now. But as I said, there's this membrane theory or block theory of the multiverse. And the best way I've heard it described is imagine a loaf of bread. The loaf is one thing, but each slice is something different. And so the idea of a multiverse is that the multiverse is the loaf, and our universe is one slice of, an, in essence, an infinite amount of different realities out there. There are indications. This will probably never be able to be proven by science, certainly not in my lifetime, but there are indications of this when you get down into quantum theory and you start seeing very weird stuff happening. Things just can't just pop into existence. That's against the laws of physics, but it happens all the time at the subatomic quantum level. So there is a pretty good theory that's not disappearing, it's just drifting in between different universes and then it just happened to pop into ours at this point. That's why we couldn't see it before because it was in a different universe and we can't see that. So if the theory of the multiverse is, is correct, then basically there are an infinite number of universes out there where every possible variation happens. So there might be a universe where gravity is substantially stronger so no Big Bang actually happened. So it's just a completely dead space spreading on for an infinite amount of space. There may be another one where absolutely everything that's happened on planet Earth has happened except there is a tiny pebble on the moon that is five centimeters to the left. But in every other possible way, it is exactly the same as this place. I, like, I'm literally, there is a gem there recording this podcast there now. But of course, if it's infinite with infinite variation, there is one where I am the most evil person on planet Earth. I'm, I'm basically Hitler. Now, Mr. Evil, Dr. Evil, I didn't spend six years of evil medical school to be called Mr. Thank you very much. There's another one where I'm the president of the United States. There's another one where I'm the richest man on planet Earth. And another one where I'm a you know, homeless, destitute individual. And so on and so forth. And I, do you know, I find this... I find this quite calming to me. There was a physicist that kind of showed the logic behind this. He was at a roulette table and he put all his money on black and it came up red, and he cheered. And they went, why are you cheering? You just lost all your money. He goes, no, but in another universe, a different version of me has just won all that money. And it's like, yeah, I kind of like that. I like the idea that there are other gems out there, good and bad, smarter and dumber, etc. 
happier and sadder and it just it just it it makes me feel calm but i don't know if it's true and you could say gem that's a belief like any other true but i'm not believing that there is an an entity choosing all of this stuff it's just a basically a spin off from physics which is something that again sort of rick and morty does go back to so I, look, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Something a bit different there. Rick and Morty is a great concentration and collection of pop culture and utter pure stupidness as well. But at the same time, it has some really important philosophical ideas to come up with, areas of physics as well. And I really recommend, if you haven't watched it, do so. And if this makes you want to watch the Pickle Rick episode. I turned myself into a pickle, Morty! Boom! Big reveal! I'm a pickle! What do you think about that? One episode he decides to turn himself into a pickle for fairly vague reasons. Before people sort of go back going, he, he did it to get out of counselling. I know, but why a pickle? There are many other things he could have done to have not been there for, for the actual counselling, but hey-ho. I digress. So, yes, please, Hope you really enjoyed that. Last thing I'm going to say, in essence, there'll be a little bit after this, is uh, guys, please subscribe. If it's the first time here, hello. If you could subscribe, give us a review, great. And if you could tell somebody, either retweet stuff, that'd be fine. Say hello to me. I'm at GemDaduchu on Twitter. I think there'll be a link below. You can give me suggestions. I've had people actually suggest concepts and ideas. Always happy to look into those. But also at the same time, you know, love to get your thoughts. I've had some people going, oh, I disagree with your theory on that one. Or other people going, oh, I love that. Or it's made me want to watch more of X. That always puts a smile on my face. So yeah, so there we go. It isn't just me saying, please subscribe, but I just say you can interact. You know, if you want to start a conversation with me, please don't be rude. But yeah, come online, talk to me. Happy to have that conversation. And indeed, make your suggestions. Bring them on. There's only a finite amount of pop culture, so I'm always interested to see what people want me to do next. Thanks for listening, and hopefully see you soon. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi. I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.